0: I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Uh, you're going to help me, right? Okay. We need to go find an apple. Okay. Okay. I just wanted you to know that. Uh, I want to. I want to give you something here that I liked it, so I decided to read it. It's not necessarily have anything to do with what I'm preaching. Just I liked it. Okay. Um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna really mess up some uh, uh, I believe this is uh, well this looks like Latin to me. Cicero wrote this. He said, Nesir autim quid ante quam nitus <laughs> axiderit id est simper esse purum. Anybody understands Latin? Understood that perfectly. The Andersons are back. I want you to know these, these rich couple, you talking about rich, he could have done this on it. He just got back from a Caribbean cruise. Did you have a good time? Uh, I was good to see you back. I thought maybe you got down there and stayed in Puerto Rico or something. And, and you were going to have Louis come down and help you out there. I, I was afraid of that. So. Anyway, if you don't understand what I just said, this is what I said. Not to know what happened before you were born. That is to be always a boy, to be forever a child. Okay? That's, in other words, it says in a, in a sense of historical understanding, knowledge of what happened before you were born is primary to all realms of knowledge. Science is a study of great discoveries of the past. And in our knowledge of the natural world literature is a study of great writings of past cultures that embody human experience in the form of story poem mathematics is a study or excuse and poem mathematics is a study of how great minds have in the past have ordered have ordered let me get this together here for us the use of abstract numbers and symbols in relation to the physical world the arts are the studies of the varied and diverse cultural creations of the past Historical understanding in all these areas humanizes, matures, and uplifts the soul. Too many citizens of our country today are in Cicero's terms forever children. If knowledge of the past matures the soul, it is not something we can afford to marginalize or sideline. Unfortunately, the hard work of gaining knowledge, eloquence, and wisdom is all too often skirted by teacher and student alike. Because we have neglected knowledge of the past and the great traditions of historical understanding, we live in a culture of Peter Pans, flying free in Neverland, with no past, no future, only the ever-present game, the mock battle against pirates or Indians, windy stories with their plot of real challenges to be overcome, only reveal to us our immaturity, the fact that we are forever children who won't grow up. Now why did you read this? I read this simply to let you know that in this year, God is not only wanting us to get across the Jordan, He's wanting us to mature and grow up on the other side. And as we grow up, we'll begin to understand what is important in God's economy. God has called the church not just to maintain a group of people sitting on pews, We are to go out and to teach the gospel, to preach the gospel to every nation under heaven. That is what we're to do. We are to reach the children, we're to reach the adults, we're to reach the elderly, we are to reach everybody we can possibly reach. If you have no other reason to reach the lost than the fact that I want to go to heaven because I believe the only thing that's holding back the rapture is the prayer of the people who are saying, God, please, just just prolong it a little bit till my child gets saved or my uncle or my mother, whoever it is. We need to reach them so we can get out of here. I I don't know maybe you don't feel the same way that I do about this this is different for me this is a whole lot different than it's ever been for me because I, I feel something more moving in the spirit. When I, when I first got the Holy Ghost, I, I had the desire to go out and to reach as many people as I possibly could, and I still have that desire. But it was more for the fact that, yes, I didn't want them to go to hell, and I still feel that way, but it's add, the add to on this is I want to go to heaven. I, I don't want you to go to hell, but I also I, I want to get out of here a little faster. And I'm not really looking to go out by way of just dying myself. I'd like for the whole church. I'd like to be in the middle of preaching and have the rapture take place. That's what I want. <laughs> Second Kings, the sixth chapter, verses one through seven. Second Kings. Now it's going to be coming up the new King James, or in the New King James King James version behind me. I'm reading it out of the uh, Amplified Bible. Um, I sent. I sent Brother Hill in to get my other Amplified, and he got an old one, so I don't have both of them in front of me. So I'll blame him, so I won't have to read it in the Amplified. The sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Look now, the place where we live before you is too, it should not say straight behind me. Here it says too small for us. Actually, the word um, straight in the Hebrew comes from uh, the word sar, T-S-A-R, and it can mean too small, too close, too hard. It has several different meanings. But this is what the sons of the prophets were saying. This place is too small, too hard, too difficult. We need to do something else. So let us go to the Jordan. And each man get there a house beam. And let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go. One said, be pleased to go with your servants. He answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling his beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. The man of God said, Where did it fall? When shown the place, Elisha cut off a stick and threw it in there, and the iron floated. And he said, Pick it up. And he put out his hand. And he took it. Father, we thank you for your word, your blessings, and we ask God here this evening that you would touch us, strengthen us, be with us, God, in every way. Because I know, God, that you will do that if we ask it in faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You got your. He's going to stand over here. And I'm going to pry here. I'm going to take and, and knock an apple out of his hand. That hat would be fine. Go put the hat on your head. We'll just do it off your head. I'm just joking. Get back down there. <laughs> I I have read that story and preached that story hundreds of times. Well, maybe not hundreds, thirty, forty, and uh, heard it probably hundreds of times. Every time I see it, I think, Oh, this is a throwing tomahawk. It's not really an axe. And um, I named my throwing tomahawks. This one's called sparrow because it's got a kind of a sharp, small beak. I can get you about 16 yards. But I'm doing it right-handed. And when I do left The problem with, 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 with this, this son of the prophet... Now, if you've ever cut trees... You can cut a tree. can't cut your beard off. So that won't work with you. <laughs> so anyway, we... Did you expect anything less? No. Okay. <laughs> so he had, a, he had a rhythm going, cutting this tree. I mean, this guy was swinging through, and he was getting one on the left side. And, you know, he's building a house. You know, I, as I read this, it didn't hit me until I wonder which side of the Jordan he was building his house on. So he was hitting one, knocking one down, and hitting one. And he kept going, and he had a rhythm going. He was really good. I'm building me a house because that place where, where, the, you know, where the prophet is, Elisha is, it's just too straight for me. And, you know, he was going along and really whapping down. You know, this thing, too, has that ten, same tendency that his axe did. The head sometimes flies off of it, and you go down too hard. Uh, so, you know, it, it's... So he was going along, and he was, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I Blake, now, I know all about bluke because I worked in a marina for eight years. Bluke is a term that we used at the marina when someone just lost a $50 tool. You know, they come back to me and they said, hey, uh, didn't call me pastor then, I'm, I'm pastor now, but they said, we just, uh, just BLUKed a tool. That was the term, and you knew that it was lost, or you're going to have to put on a uh, tank and go down and see if you can find it. it according to the, the money that was involved there. So sometimes we dove for him, sometimes we didn't. But so, you know, every time, and you, it's always, that, you know, I could use a wrench and be working around with that wrench, and all of a sudden, you know, it just slip out of your hand, bloop. And there it went. So I can imagine what he felt, you know, one whack like that, and bloop. And so he was, he, was, he was completely upset about the whole situation. You know, not only did he lose the tool that he was using to build his house probably on the wrong side, but he'd lost his cutting edge. He just lost his cutting edge. you ever stop and think about it? Every time you really get to going real good, every time, you, you, you know, you really begin to think you're something and you're doing great, then you fly off the handle, isn't that right? Every time you're doing real good, you just fly off the handle. I don't worry. The head worries me. I don't. I never lose. Touch this, but the head does worry me a little bit. I want your undivided attention. That's the reason I'm doing this. Completely undivided. Yeah. You know, the big trees they needed for this project grew along the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is very muddy. Very muddy river. And so the first thing he assumed was he's never going to get this axe head back, and it was borrowed. So he felt bad about it. How's he going to repay the lender? So he cried out to Elisha. Now, Satan's goal for every one of us in here tonight is to make us act independently from God. Any time that you really begin to make inroads into Satan's kingdom and to begin to, to battle the devil, the way that we are battling the devil, there is going to be something come up to cause some people to act independently of what everybody else is. They begin to think, I can do this better than what's going on. So they begin to do their own thing. And when you begin to do your own thing, you begin to get out of the will of God, and all of a sudden you lose your cutting edge. Your cutting edge flies into some kind of milky mess of a a muddy river, and you don't know what you're going to do about it. You know, that <laughs> this man was working for the Lord, but his power source was gradually slipping away. And evidently this has been a problem because it's actually addressed in the Scripture in Deuteronomy 19 and 4. And he says this, he said, in case a slayer has a problem and he's out in, with, working with his axe and the, and the head of the axe flies off of the handle and strikes somebody and kills him, he can run in to the city of refuge and there he cannot be touched. So it's obviously a problem. They knew about this. This wasn't something new to them. He needed to keep in touch with what he had. Folks, that's the whole problem. We don't keep in touch with what we have. We we don't. We don't keep in touch with what God is. God has blessed each and every one of us, with the most part of us, with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You came down here. God filled you with His Spirit. And when He did, He made you a part of the body. He gave you power to work in unity with each and every one that is here. You see, that's the strength of the church. We are a unified group of people. And when we all have the same Spirit of God and work in the way that we need to, there is absolutely nothing hell can do against us. I'll give him a hand clap if you understand. Praise God. Praise God. He needed to keep in touch with the condition of the relationship between head and handle. Hear me. And that's kind of like uh, people used to say, we've got to keep it tight. You've got to have the right, you've got to keep in touch with the head and the handle. Who in the world is swinging the head here? There's many a saint that have lost their edge. But what happens, and this is the reason people backslide, they keep swinging away in the power of the flesh. And like the disciples in Mark 9 and 18, they wonder why they couldn't get anything done. You see, that's why people give up, and they just give up, and they say, I can't do this anymore. I've got this call of God. I've got something in my life. I've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've got all this desire and fire that's shut up inside my bones, and I want to do something. But see, the problem is that somewhere along the line, they they lost their cutting edge, and by losing it, they begin to do it on their own, and they're swinging the axe with everything they've got. I'm doing a work for God, but they're not going anywhere. Samson in Judges 16 and 20 that man did not even know that his power was gone when Delilah said to him the Philistines be upon you he got up and the Bible says and shook himself like he had done so many times before he didn't even realize that he lost it are you with me sometimes you can be out there working and doing everything you can and you don't realize that the axe head has fell into the Jordan River you don't realize it He he needed to sharpen his axe. You see, when you have a sharp axe, you get more cutting and less vibration. Feel that, tell me if that's sharp. I'm not going to hurt you. Pretty good. And I haven't ground it in a while. I'm going to go down after a while, take this, work on his chin a little bit, and see if I can get some, sharpen it up. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help me. As a teenager, we had had to, and I've told this story here probably plenty of times, that had to clear out an area where we were moving in. It was all thorn trees. And uh, I had my dad, for my birthday, got me a double-bitted axe. He was so kind. And I got out and did all the clearing of those thorn trees with a double-bitted axe. It was great at that time you're about 12, 13, 14 years old. It builds good shoulders. It really does. But it also makes you hate any kind of work with an axe, you know, because that's all you do all the time, all the time. And I learned real quickly that there was a time that I took the axe in and put it on the grinder because if I didn't put the axe on the grinder, I was going to work twice as hard. You gotta keep it going. You've got to keep things going. You've got to you gotta work with everything that you have, but yet you cannot lose the cutting edge. You cannot. If you understand this, if you understand this simple, simple little thing here, you begin. In fact, Ecclesiastes says it, he says, if the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable and direct. If we understand that we're getting blunt, then what do we need to do? We need to wet the edge. If you take what you have and you sure and you keep it sharp then you'll also realize if the head is getting loose you've got to stay connected with the head you have to stay connected with that which cuts for you to save time by stopping to sharpen and and we have a daily responsibility folks, every one of us is to keep ourselves sharp it doesn't matter how much you tell the person next to you, how many great things you're doing for God, how much time are you spending in prayer, how much time are you spending in the word, how much time are you spending in the things that's going to keep you sharp, how much time are you spending as you worship God are you coming in here and just putting in time, sitting on a pew, are you saying God, I can't do this anymore on my own I'm tired of swinging the axe with my own strength I've got to have a cutting edge and you have to be that edge Jesus said he said without me he said you can do nothing he said you can't do a thing you cannot get up in the morning without me why do you think that we need to get up in Jesus' name, go to bed in Jesus' name, have a lunch break in Jesus' name, eat supper in Jesus' name, and eat breakfast in Jesus' name? And when we go to the bathroom, we even go to the bathroom in Jesus' name. Why we do all things in Jesus' name? We need to keep that in front of us all the time. All the time. I have got to keep the edge sharp because if the edge begins to dull and I let somebody get between me, Come on, and God, and I begin to dull, and I get thoughts in my mind that I shouldn't have. I begin to think I can do this on my own before long poop. There goes the axe head. Suddenly this man was accomplishing nothing. He wasn't lazy. He was chopping away. A lot of us are chopping away today. Why are you preaching this, Brother Robertson? I'm preaching this because we're trying to go somewhere. I'm preaching this because there's people in here right now that need to really renew their relationship with God. There's people in here right now that need to get a relationship with God. You cannot do this without Him. And it doesn't matter how much time you spend trying to learn about Jesus. You have to learn to have relationship with Jesus. In order for you to have the cutting edge, you have got to know Him. His Spirit has to be a part of you. You have to take on His name and water baptism. You have to live the right kind of life in order for Him to be a part of your life. You know, this guy had a mind to work, not a mind to watch. You know, I, I'll be the first one to say there's too many people that don't do enough. But on the other side of it, there is sometimes you just have to stop and take a good, hard look at what you're working with. A good, hard look. If you don't maintain what you have, you're going to lose completely. If you don't take care of what God has given you, I can't let anybody, I cannot let one of these men up here get between me and the Lord. I cannot. I cannot allow them to blunt the edge of this. i got to keep cutting away. And i got to keep using a sharp instrument. I can't afford to let this thing fall into the Jordan River. i got to keep cutting away. But I have to stop and also look where are you going. How close are you getting to the edge? And the Bible says, let him think that thinketh he stand, take heed, lest he fall. Many times we allow our axe head to be dulled by pride or self interest. Too many times what we're doing out there is for self interest. Pride is like a beard, always growing. The solution is to shave every day. Wasn't that good? That was the best thing I've said all evening. Didn't see you sitting there. <laughs> Sometimes Satan deceives us into thinking that we can serve God at times and still live a life of sin at other times, and then suddenly, all of a sudden, bloop. You ever noticed? You ever notice when you in your relationship with God, when you first got it, and you you just did everything right that you possibly could, and everything was going good. I mean, you, you were winning souls, you were having prayer meetings, you were having visions, and you were, you were seeing angels. You were doing all this. Then, you know, time kind of got in, and you began to let some of the world creep in. Oh, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. It's not going to hurt anything. But all of a sudden, the vision stopped. And all of a sudden, that, that feeling that you had when you prayed was no longer there. And all of a sudden, it just seemed heavier. Your, your, your hands seemed heavy, and your, your legs weren't as good as they used to be. You couldn't run the aisles like you once did. You couldn't hold up your hands. Why? Because something was beginning to weigh you down. That's why the Bible says to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and run with patience the race that is before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I have got to lay aside weights. I've got to keep this sharp. I've got to keep this sharp. Despite what just happened this man had wisdom let's 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 go there let's go to the place where we've all been because every one of us has done it on our own every one of us has let the axe head slip off every one of us has looked down into the depths of that muddy Jordan river and said i want to cross but i i, I need my cutting edge i want to cross with him but how am i going to get that look at that mess You know, this guy had wisdom. He had the sense to stop trying and get back to trusting. If you can't get anything else, please get this this evening. There is a time when you've got to quit trying and begin to trust. There's a time when I can't overcome this, this secret sin that I've got. And it, it seems like no matter how hard I try and I, I I imagine with all my might that I can overcome this, but it 's still there it 's going to cause me to lose out with god i 'm going to lose my cutting edge what, what can I do that 's when you stop trying and start trusting that 's when you start trusting. I trust god i i, I don 't know about you but i 've had that Time and time again, when I said, God, this is just, I can't overcome this. I can't, I can't do this. And I've had God speak to me, just trust me, and, and, and and this will be okay. And I've trusted, and I've watched people around me say, You got to do something. You got to act this way. You got to be this way. You got to, you got to take Greg Sebastian out and beat the fire out of him because he's just never going to mount anything. You know, and I keep saying, I'm going to trust God. God's going to get a hold of him. He's going to make a better person out of him all the way around. And you know what God did? And don't you all look at Greg, because I can go back and hit a few other huh? of not You weren't always the way you are. Huh? Brother Manley back there, he's still not there. <laughs> I'm still trusting for him. <laughs> You know, as humans, we try many times to make things happen. Please, hear me. This is where we need to let go and let God, I can't make this happen. If there's anything I learned about this building thing, it's, it's been that. I can't make this happen. It's driven me crazy for 20 years. That's why I am the way I am right now. I just stay young looking, but you see, I'm crazier and a lunatic inside. <laughs> you know, it just, I, I keep looking and saying, you know, I've I got to let go and I've got to trust God. I've got to trust God. How does God operate? God operates through His church. He operates through His people. If we, one person, can trust God and get one other person to trust God, and they can get one other person to trust God, and they can get one other person then before long, we've arrived. You see, it's a unified effort. It's every one of us. It's not just part of us. How many many of us are still whacking away powerlessly, making no progress, seeing no soul saved, never bringing visitors to church, never taking opportunities to minister to others or to serve God in any kind of ministry? How many of us? I wonder... What amount of us are again whacking away? You know wh- wh- what? What do, what do we need to do? Making no progress without the aid of the axe hit, without without letting the Holy Ghost work in us. You see, this is what I'm trying to get to this evening, if nothing else. I'm trying I, I, I'm trying to get you to allow God that is already there, and even if you have have had the Holy Ghost before. And you 're not where you need to be with God that doesn 't mean God has departed from you. You may consider yourself backslidden, but you see that spirit of God is still there. It may not be the controlling force in your life. It may not be he may not be the one leading you and everywhere, but he 's still there, and he 's still speaking to you, and he 's still letting you know, I love you just as much as I ever loved you. Now, the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. Any two-edged sword. The Word of God, you begin to put that back into you. You begin to listen to it preached. And something begins to well up in you. That Holy Ghost you think that departed from you, that little coal that's still in there, still there speaking to you, begins to fan into a flame. And you say, hey, I can do it. I can live for God. I can make it to heaven. I can be a child of God. I can worship God and love God just like anyone else. Let God's word fill you, and be filled with the Spirit, and you're going to accomplish a great deal. You're going to accomplish everything. You ever seen those little plywood cutout men? You know they're by pumps a lot of times. I've seen a few of them, and uh, you know they their 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 arms are on the pump handle, and their arms are going back and forth pumping the water. And these are little card not cardboard but plywood you know cutouts. And I wondered to myself, I said, what powers that little man to pump that well? From a distance, it looks like this little, little cut-out guy is doing all the pumping. But the truth is that the well was pumping him. You see, that's the difference. We try to do it on our own, but really, it should be the source that's getting something out of us. It's the Holy Ghost that speaks to us. When you're entering these prayer meetings, when you're at home in a prayer meeting, you have the Holy Ghost speak to you. You act right then. Then the well is doing the pumping, not you. The source is what's guiding you. And that's the, that's the important thing. Luke 24, 49, the Lord was about to ascend to heaven and He said He would give the Holy Ghost to the disciples. And He said, "Tarry ye here until ye be endued with power from on high. If you're here and you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got all of heaven's resources that's working for you. And the thing is, is that God wants you to be working. He wants those resources to operate in you. All you have to do is stand back and let God do what God wants to do. He wants to be the well that's pumping. You preach that. Preach that. My God. Verse six. I'm going back to where I'm starting to preach. Elisha said, Where fell it? Where'd it fall? Where's your axe head? Where'd it fall? Now I I am no Elisha. I'm not an apostle Paul. In fact, the older I get, the more I realize any time I see. Any guy, any man put his name to anything that's out of the Word of God like it's some kind of new revelation, I don't trust him a whole lot. Just Robertson 3 and 4, I'm sorry. I just don't. Nothing new under the sun. That's God's book. If it works for you, then you've done something right. Okay? Don't take credit for it. Give God credit for it. It works good for us. Working for the kingdom. This is not about how great you are. It's not about making a name for yourself. It's not about being the best preacher or best Sunday school teacher. It's about these kids being saved. It's about people being saved. It's about oh God. I'm working into this. My God, it's about something for the kingdom. Where fell it? And again, I'm no great person, but I'm gonna ask you the question here tonight. Where fell it? Where did you lose your cutting edge? Where? How did you lose your cutting edge? How did you lose the Holy Ghost working in you? How did you lose the spirit of God's power? Poor fellow. You haven't lost his presence. he's, He's in your heart. You've lost his 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 direction. You've not really lost his power. You've lost the ability to use his power. You're not walking in the spirit. Not filled with the Spirit. That's where you are. Spirit's still there. But you're not overwhelmed with the Spirit. You're not feeding the Spirit. You've lost your cutting edge. You begin to doubt yourself. You begin to think, I I can't do this. Without really giving it the effort. And the first time that you fail, you just want to chuck it in and go home. We have way too many quitters. And apostolic churches. Quitters are not just those that are home. Quitters can be sitting on pews. Quitters can just be in here. Just marking time. Finding fault with everything that goes on. That's not going to happen here. That's not going to happen here. We're the church that takes them all back. We're the church that reaches every lost person that's out there. We're the church that loves. You know, you got the Holy Ghost and salvation, but did the Holy Ghost get all of you? You ever thought about, oh, I've got got a couple of sponges at home, real ones, and then fake ones. Real sponges, you know, they got the right shape, and and they got the right, you know, they're clean, actually. They're they're good and clean. They got the right shape, and they can be filled with something useful. They can be. Now, what I got from all that was this what God chooses, He cleanses. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, He cleansed you. And what God cleanses, He molds. If He's cleaned you up, then He's tried to... And this is where a lot of you have got a problem. It's when God begins to take His own cutting edge. You know, now, if I was God, I'd use that. God doesn't. He molds with His hands. And He gets in that that one hard spot that you won't let go of, which was Robertson. He'd take his and whack that thing right off. But he doesn't. He gently presses in that one spot. The thing is, that one little spot hurts. i got this this knot right there. See that knot? you see that? that And you know, I don't like it there, and I push on it. And every time I push on it, I go to my wife crying, big tears. (laughs) You know, and sometimes when God pushes on those little hard spots... We go to somebody crying big tears like, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. Do you know how hard it is? I've never, I've never, oh, this is horrible. I don't think anybody's ever endured what I've had to endure. That's the reason you need to go back. That's the reason I read the first part that I read. You need to go back in history and look what early Pentecost really did endure to get the power. None of us endure what they have endured. None of us. God keeps pushing and molding. You say, you want old time religion? You want old time revival? Then this is what you've got to do. And he starts pushing. So he molds you. And what God molds, he fills. What God fills, he uses. Where did it fall? Huh? Where'd the axe head fall? Where'd your cutting edge fall? He's done all that for you. Where did it fall? Where fell it? Are you disobeying God's word? Are you playing with a sin in your life? Are you bitter against somebody? Have you allowed yourself to be lifted up with pride? Are you rebelling against authority instead of submitting to it? Are you jealous or envious? Are you refusing to witness to someone God has laid on your heart? Where fell the axe head? And he showed him the place. The hardest thing that you will ever do is level with God over your sin. The hardest thing you will ever do. You may get down at an altar and repent and go all around that sin. But to really get down to where the sin originated and what the problem is, that's the hardest thing you will ever do. And if none of you understand what I'm talking about, then you've not lived for God very long. Hardest thing. The word confess literally means to call it what it is. That's what confess means. Call it what it is. When you got saved, you admitted your sins to God. And guess what? He already knew that you'd done everything you did. He just needed you to admit to it. He needed you to fess up, to call it what it is. It's sin. You know, folks, we really need a renewing of good old-fashioned repentance. All of us. We need to get down on an altar and really repent and feel ourselves cleanse, all of us. And call sin what sin really is. If I was to stop everything that I'm doing, which I'm about ready to, but not quite yet, and invite you right now to come down here, and I would just say to you, come, show me the place. Show me where you lost your cutting edge. Do you think you could do it? Do you think you could come down here and say, Brother Robertson, this is where I lost my cutting edge. This is what happened. Maybe it's under the muddy water. Maybe what you need to do is ask God to show you where you lost it. Maybe you don't know. Ask God to show you. It's all about what you call it. Call sin what God calls it sin. You know, when she acts that way, it's ugly. But when I do it, it's my nerves. When he sets in his when he's set in his ways, he's obstinate. But when I do it, it's firmness. He doesn't like you, so he's prejudiced. When I don't like him, it's good judgment of character. Think about what I'm saying. You'll never find the life of power till you point to where you lost it. Call it what it is. So what did Elisha do? He did something that foreshadowed something that was going to happen 1,500 years in the future. He threw a stick in the water. took a stick, two of them, with a Savior nailed to those two sticks to give us the salvation that we have today. you understand what I'm saying tonight? The great thing about our Savior is that He gives us another chance. The great thing about our Savior is He'll just, if you'll ask Him, He'll say, show me where you lost it. You see that cross that He was nailed on we'll take care of bringing something heavy to the surface. You see, all of us have got something heavy that needs to be brought to the surface. All of us have got some things that can go all the way back for years. We've got situations that maybe happened in our childhood. We've got situations that could have happened a month ago, a year ago, whatever. But we hang on to it, and we hang on to it, and we hang on to it. And it takes our cutting edge from us. And if we would just go to Him, just go to Him and say, Lord, this is where I lost it. What happened on Calvary would take care of bringing that heavy thing to the surface. And the iron, the Bible says, did swim. It's just the music. Singers don't have to come. You know, liberal religion says that he hooked it or dragged it ashore. But here's what the phrase literally means in the Hebrew. It literally means the iron did swim. What happened at the Jordan River was a miracle. And every miracle that happens in your life is because of the cross. Salvation is the cross. A good family because of the cross. Everything we have is because of the cross. I'm baptized in Jesus' name because of the cross. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost because of the cross. Everything that I have that is good is because of the cross. It brings the heavy things off the bottom and causes them to swim. And he reached out and he could pick up that heavy thing and once and for all can have back his cutting edge. She stand with me this evening. Our heads bowed this evening. <sighs> Anybody want to come down here tonight and show me where it fell? Anybody want to come to this altar tonight and ask God to help you find where you lost it? Anybody? When I feel the way that I feel this evening, I know that you feel the same way. And for me to spend a lot of time begging you to come to this altar seems frivolous in the face of what you've just heard and on the face of the conviction that you have in your heart right now. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Just show me where it fell. Show me where it fell. Lord bless you. There's people down here this evening. Please don't be, don't talk. You must talk. go out into the vestibule. Lord bless you.